Well, hey everyone. So, I'm going to talk about the complexity of how we're made. Um, if you're injured, and it's been a serious injury, you will reconfigure yourself in whatever it is that will allow you to survive. And it literally is like a tank rolling over a beautiful herringbone china teacup. You will shred into a million pieces. It's like a poppy in the field and a meteor hits that poppy. I think about the 9-11, the towers coming down and you just see that just the whole thing collapses. Basically, you collapse into a zillion pieces. You blow up. Now, one of the things about the ayahuasca is she's going to bring every single piece of that back together. No matter how many zillion pieces of shards you, you know, collapsed into because of an injury, of an energetic injury, she's going to bring it, she's going to bring you back together. We're bits of energy, we're elastic. So the injury literally disfigures your energetic field. It's like that Einstein image of space, you know, where there's, there's curvature in space because something is happening in that energetic area. It's the same thing with our energy fields. If a massive injury happens to you through trauma, it is a disfigurement of your energetic field. So imagine that, you know, it's like imagine a trampoline, like something that's very elastic. You know, or you take a piece of plastic and you stick something through it, or a balloon, for example, right? You can, you know, transform it into many shapes. You think of those, those balloon artists at these kids' parties where they transform a balloon into a dog. The same thing. You're, we're elastic. So, in my case, um, the injury was huge, the evil was huge, the horror was huge. I was sent out to be sexually abused and abused. And I had no access to it because, you know, as you're watching that tidal wave come to you, you are going to like fragment. And the ayahuasca showed me in a very clear way in ceremony that there was a before and after. There was a before the Big Bang and after the Big Bang. There's a before the actual injury, the trauma. I call it injury because it's a massive injury. And then there's after the injury. So for me, it was like I was a bird. I was one with everything. And then suddenly, my little girl was weeping and she'd just been abused. And then there's a you after the abuse or after the event. Now, in the five years that I've been working with the ayahuasca, and when I say working, it means I was, I went, I've been down there twice, five ceremonies, I came back and I was continuing to work daily with the great medicine. And we're very, it's like we're more complex than a Swiss watch. We are, if you have, you've been injured and you've had to survive, the amount of denial and storytelling and defense mechanisms and everything. Because in the moment that trauma happened, 
you know, you've been shot into space. Like, you know, you've, you're gone. You're buried somewhere on some burial ground. You're hidden. You're, you've collapsed. You, you know, I was literally hidden or buried somewhere with this evil, which is my father. Frozen as a child. He made a contract with me. And in the healing, the ayahuasca, I wasn't, wasn't healing me. This evil was all around me. It smothered me. It was everywhere. It was literally like a separate being to me that held me hostage. It was evil, pure, unadulterated evil. And you can't see it. It's ether. You know, this guy to me was this, you know, godlike creature. I didn't see him as evil because I'd completely refused it. I'd buried it in the, you know, the tidal wave when the tidal wave came down and I shattered. So like any operation, imagine someone's taking something out of you, you know. Um, my final meeting with the ayahuasca to really heal this thing was the most painful thing I've ever been through emotionally, physically. I mean, it was like a death. I had to see, I had to relive what had happened in that, those dark rooms underground, terrified, being held down, people laughing. It was horrific. And then actually, you know, get kind of a paparazzi drone eye view of him actually selling me. It was just horrific. So let's say you've had a heart surgery or some kind of injury, you know, some kind of operation. And the, with the ayahuasca, it's energetic. It's an operation. It's an energetic operation. So for me to finally see that, I had to, you know, vomit and vomit and release all the um, resistances to seeing it, to seeing the terror. And I did, and then I finally saw it. And the moment I saw it, I got my power back. Um, and I was in this, you know, office overlooking New York, and there was fire in the past. It was like, burn everything, burn all the past. It's like, it's not, there's nothing to save there. You're done. So it's like anything. If you have an operation, you don't just leave the hospital, right? You're not just back together. She's putting, putting you back together. So if you remove something that's been, you know, an indentation in your energetic field. Let's say it's a, a truck on a trampoline and the, the trampoline has been holding the truck. Well, when you take the truck out, the trampoline is going to reshape itself, right? Back to its true self. That's why I totally believe we're just, we're energy that's, you know, is reshaped by trauma and injury. So literally you take out the truck, the trampoline, gets back to its normal. It's like anything, you hit something, it's pliable, it changes its shape. It's like putty, right? If I, I can move putty, I can change putty around. I can re-sculpt it. If I stick a stone in putty, it's stuck, but the minute I take it out, the putty can be reshaped, right? So that's really what's happening. But, so when you do this, these operations, that they're energetic operations, and you, in those operations, you're able to, you know, give up the resistance, which is able, actually, you're getting back your courage. The resistance is 
what you have in your body that's holding all the truth and it's packed in energy. When you puke it out, you're puking out all the resistance, you're puking out all the walls that you put up, all the terror. And once you've puked up the resistance, so the truth can show up. And in my instance, it was in these dark rooms, being sexually abused, men laughing, holding me down, and him actually seeing him literally from a drone, you know, selling me on the street in London. All right. The victory is the resistance is gone, then you get yourself back, right? I mean, it's taken me 13 years of meditation and five years of ayahuasca. Like, meditation was really the training wheels, and ayahuasca is like the Ferrari, right? I mean, the, you know, the ayahuasca's got, you know, a whole arsenal of dynamite and, you know, things that are going to blow you up, which are much more powerful than meditation. So, um, I finally got to see, I finally got to give up the resistance, that's it. I finally got to give up the resistance to the truth. After five years of being inundated with absolute love by the ayahuasca, being surrounded by the most loving guides, I mean thousands of Indians and the Shipibo, I was given so much love and also tons of downloads that I could actually, I knew that there was an ally here, that there was this divine ally that was protecting me and was going to keep me safe so I could give up the resistance. Again, in the ceremonies at home, it wasn't me in these ceremonies. It was evil that had stolen me. And the ayahuasca was a fight between the light and the dark. It was a, a fight between, yeah, but between evil and light. That's the only way I could describe it. I was watching it, I wasn't present to it because I was owned by it. So as I said, when you come back from it, it's just the operation, the thing has been removed. Now your body has got to heal back into shape. And as it heals back into shape, more stuff is going to emerge. And one of them was my mother. I, I, could, I could take him being evil, but I couldn't because I was protecting him, but I couldn't believe that she agreed, that she was also participating in this horrific, these horrific events. I couldn't, and there was a still, but then I eventually, you know, understood that yes, I was willing to give her up too. I mean, you're really, I was literally giving up my whole family. I mean, I was leaving completely this zombie island. But it's a collapse of a whole kingdom that you've built, right? But one of the things that came through to me, which was one of the most sad, the most, because one of the things that the Iowa, the uh, Shipibo said to me was, Maria, you abandoned yourself. I'm like, how could I abandon myself? I was three or four. What she meant was that I had hated myself in order to endure the abuse and the torture and the lovelessness. I had made myself unlovable to make them the victims. 
to authorize the behavior of these people on me. That to me is the most saddest piece of the revelation. I had abandoned myself. I had hated and refused myself, all of me, to authorize them as victims, to authorize and to legitimize what they were doing to me. I made it okay for them to do it to me. I made it okay for them to laugh at me when I was scared, to make me feel like I was weak when I was crying after I was abused. That lack of hatred and lack of self-love was even worse than what happened. I had, they refused me and then I refused myself. I hated myself. I was unlovable, so of course you could abuse me and torture me and hurt me because I wasn't worthy of love. I had believed, I had made myself believe in order to survive this horror that I was not worthy of love and therefore it was okay for you to do these horrific things to me. That is I don't even know. It's so awful that there, that I had to, in order to make this work, because there were no parents, there was nothing, just cruelty and horror, that I had to hate, refuse, and kill myself off as being unworthy of life and therefore, you know, it was okay to abuse me. It was okay to hurt me because I wasn't worthy of love. That has been the most profoundly upsetting piece of this puzzle. So in order for them to survive, for me to survive here, I would have to legitimize them. I would have to make them into victims. I would have to submit myself because I had made them right and I had made myself wrong. That is unconscionable. And it's interesting as you're waking up how events show up that literally show it to you real time. And there was an event where I was with this child by the beach. I was a very little baby. I was holding it and I had this enormous desire to throw it into the ocean. Like it was this palpably and I was like, where the fuck does that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. The hatred. I had for myself. In order for them to take over, for this evil to smother me, in order for it to submit to me, I would have to kill myself off. 
in order to join the regime of the dark, I would have to accept it. In order to accept it, I would have to refuse my light. I would have to refuse being loved or being cared for. They were more important. Those motherfuckers. So the Shipibo was right. I had abandoned myself. I had. I had made the choice to make them work, to make evil work, and to refuse my light. Now, again, I was three or four. I had to survive, and that was how I survived. I didn't have weapons. I didn't have lawyers. I didn't have consciousness, barely. So I made a pact with the devil to refuse my goodness, my light, and my divinity, and accept the horror of what was done to me. That is the most difficult piece of all of this. I abandoned myself. She was right. I made that choice. I didn't have a lot of choices. You know, when a B-52 bomber is coming at you, when a sledgehammer is coming at you, you better shut down everything. That's what I did. I shut everything down. I refused myself. I blacked it out so I would survive. I made them holy. I deified them. I made them the victims of her family, the victims of this. I agreed to go along with them. Now, I can't remember any of this, but in the exorcism, I broke a contract, so I assume that contract was this. And now I understand why it's so difficult for me to do anything for myself. Because in a loving family, it's a light that shines on you and makes you grow. It's like the sun on flowers. You need that to see who you are. You need that for the reflection of you. You need to have a loving parent acknowledging and loving, and you know that you're being protected and you're, you know, they're making you feel safe. You need that. That's how you grow. I didn't grow. I was just thwarted. I was just buried. Just stampeded. As the ayahuasca, you know, they say you just leave your, you leave your body. You're just, your soul leaves. There's no love for you. How can there be? They don't love you. A parent that takes their kids out to be abused, they don't love you. There's no love. Or hits you or hurts you. Anyway, this, this just happened to be that particular horror. So as you, as you're becoming whole, and it's a massive process. I mean, in my case, I was literally kidnapped by evil. 
I mean, I was, you know, I saw it, I was told it. I, mean, I was kidnapped by evil. And for me to survive what they did to me, I had to shut down and hate myself. So I could belong to their side. I had to hate myself make myself wrong, my feelings wrong, everything I did wrong, and agree to sculpt myself into what they needed me to be in order to survive. They used me and my soul. They fed off me like vampires by terror. I don't even know what it must have been like to be taken to be abused. I, don't, I can't remember it, but I can't imagine as I see a child knowing they get say you're, you're going to be operated on without anesthetic basically you don't know what they're going to do to you and it's your own parent so in this healing and literally it's like I have to like disappear into Netflix or whatever because I only know showing up to make you feel good and then zero. Like, because I never got a loving parent, like water or sun, I don't know what it's like to love myself, to respect myself, to honor myself, to give myself value because that was just eradicated. Like, you're worthless. You know, you're unlovable. And therefore, you can be tortured and abused and everything because, and that's the way you're gonna survive because I'm not worthy of love. So I need to be a garbage, you know. I need to be garbage. So that you can survive. So in this, you know, if you go back to heal, you have to, it's, it's this, this constant deepening and seeing of who you are, constant. And you think it's a little, you know, a few things, it's a whole fucking continent of stuff that you have been, that the injury has, so, if you're invaded by a virus or you're, you know, a tidal wave comes down on you, you have to survive. The cruelest part of this was I had to hate myself and endure the horror that was done to me and shut myself down and make them work. It was a complete abuse of divinity by evil ambushed in the twilight of arrival and I had no idea because I was so owned and tricked and used and in all that trickery and all that kind of like spell almost that these evil people did I was made 
I was recruited by it. And in this having to make them work, making them right and myself wrong over and over and over, it was a relentless abandoning. It's like getting further and further and further away from shore until you can't even see the shore. So you're so far away, you're in the middle of the ocean. And by the time you wake up, you're in the middle of the ocean, you're like, well, what happened? It's a trickery of evil. And then to make a child endure all of that horror means the child has no choice because it's a parent. But to make that situation work and the sacrifice that I had to make to survive was to hate myself so that they would be legitimized and authorized and they would survive. If they survived, I survived. But I would only survive if I agreed to be treated like a dog. It's just, yeah, it's the dog. And the more we, you know, if you're in defense mode, we are so busy, like, you know, defending, and especially it's about you defending and submitting and distracting and the more you do this work, I mean, as somebody said, you know, how come you did it? It's like, because I wanted it more than anyone else. Like, how come that person's successful? Because they wanted it more than anyone else. You've got to want to be healed. I mean, again, I had no idea of what had happened to me. I had no idea I was owned by evil. I had no notion. I mean, I knew I was scared growing up. I never knew I was taken out to be sexually abused and sold and raped and tortured and horror that happened to me it was just... But all of that was terror. I was terrified. I was paralyzed with fear. I had to submit. And in that submission, I made myself wrong. I shut myself down. I buried myself alive. I buried who I was. I, it's a sort of form of suicide. I literally just died in order to survive the horror. And by so doing, by refusing myself, I gave up my power to them. I submitted to them. So that is the most horrific truth. I mean, I hate both of them. But the hatred does not compare to the sadness of knowing that I had to hate and give up on myself and sacrifice my own divinity.
my own child, in order to fuel that evil. That really pisses the fuck out of me. So, in these acknowledgements, in this seeing, in this kind of, as I said, it's like the thing being, you being put back together once this, whatever your trauma is, is removed, you get to see not just the horror that was done, but what you had to do in order to survive. Their decision buried me. Their decision wiped me out. She showed me you were one and then you were disconnected. So the healing after you finally get to see what it was, if you yeah, is it doesn't stop, it's like I say it's like a volcano. If a volcano erupts once, but it continues to, to tremor and to you know erupt here and there a little bit more, you know until it's finally settled. And that's what this is like. This energetic system, as it's being put back together, will erupt more and more information until it's finally all seen and the whole cup can be put back together. Every piece of it needs to be revealed. Every piece of it It needs to be lit. You have to understand, because I was so blacked out with terror and abuse and the horror that they did to me. I was so, I blacked myself out. I literally shut myself down so, like every single piece of me, that when the invader, in this case evil, is removed, I, I think of the ayahuasca like the Navy SEALs, by the Navy SEALs, the ayahuasca, then in that return of your power, in that return of your courage, in that return of your ability to live and to sit in the light of what's happening, only then can you really begin to understand the cat catastrophic damage that was done to you. Like catastrophic. And the sacrifice that you had to do in order to survive in hell. The contracts you made, the pacts that were made. I mean, I was in a ceremony where I was on the floor, hands behind my back, this evil just over me. It was the terror, the fear, the actual physical abuse, the pain, all of it and that piece of evil saying the gypsies only sing when they're hungry just a piece of evil that I let myself submit to that piece of evil that also pisses the fuck out of me what a coward and a cunt and they were all in it Part of me was still protecting her, 
Oh no. She may have been scared, but she knew what was going on. And she agreed. So there's a lot of loss, right? That's why it requires a lot of mourning as you come back together, right? The mourning is the loss of everyone in that evil kingdom. The mourning is for your life spent as a hostage to evil. The mourning of having to die, disappear, refuse yourself, shut yourself down, take off the breaker switch of your life so you could be abused by other people and make that okay. It's like a sadomasochistic shit show of no love. That's what it's like to live in the desert of no love. The pain, the refusal of yourself, the refusal of your life force. No love. I don't believe in religions. It's all BS. I do believe that there is the light and the dark. I do believe it's cowardice, it's loveless, it's a masochist, it's full of pain. And it lives within us. And enlightenment is not a happy thing. It's not a like, you know, I'm going to just chant a few songs and twang my guitar. No, it's fierce. If you need to go and heal yourself, it is an odyssey. It is an odyssey into the darkest dark, into the dem demons. And these are energies of hell, of lovelessness, of horror. And that's where you're captured, in that darkness. Innocent, divine. You're seen as fodder for the dark. And how they keep you is through terror. A parent is supposed to love you, to keep you safe, to water you like a plant, to be the sun, a mirror that reflects your magnificent divinity so that you can flower into whatever it is that you came to be, whether it's an amoeba at the bottom of the, you know, the ocean or a black hole in the middle of the galaxy. Your divinity, your truth is ready to be blossomed the minute you're born. For something to show up and disfigure it and distort it and terrify it and paralyze it and refuse it, its life is evil and a coward. Pure cowardice. When you, so when you are called So when you are called or you'll think you're being thrown off a cliff because something terrible happened. Don't despair. At that moment the rescue team has found you. 
I had to be thrown off a cliff to wake up to the horror. I spent five years in a divorce court. I might as well have been in fucking the underworld. It was her I lost everything. And I was asleep. I'm like, how? I, I thought I did everything I was supposed to do. I was owned by evil. I had no idea. And she had to throw me off a cliff so I could begin the wake up, begin the journey home. I had been taken out to sea, the furthest point at the end of the fucking world. I couldn't see the shore. I'd been hijacked by pure evil. And I was so tricked and conned and terrified that I had converted them into victims. You will be king and I will be free. You will be king and I will be free. I.e., I have been taken hostage here and until I make you into this magnificent and I do everything for you and become the most famous person, until I have made you magnificent, I will be in jail. My task here is not to take care of myself, to love myself. No, my task is to pump you up and do everything in my power to make you look good because you are a cunt, a coward, a piece of evil. That's what I believed. You will be king and I will be free. The end of this was that I had refused my life to make evil work. I had sacrificed my divinity and my light to make evil work. I had protected them. I had willingly blackened out the horror that was done to me to make evil work. It's like being crucified. Let me be crucified in the name evil. Because I was tricked and blinded and terrified and bullied, etc, etc. Again, I'm not talking about victimhood. No, that's a whole different thing. I'm talking about acknowledging the trauma. Acknowledging how you had to survive. What sacrifice did you make in order to survive in that place? In the end, what kills us is the refusal of ourselves. I had built a resistance to the horror of them 
I had protected them and refused myself. I had manufactured persons, people, a life that was nothing to do with me. Nothing. I had anorexia. I was like, I built whatever they wanted me to be and deified them. Oh my God. In the speech at my father's funeral, when again I was asleep, I made a speech that you think it was fucking Mother Teresa had passed away. So tricked, so terrified, so abused, so refused was I. And if you dared challenge them, he would look at you with that glare. Don't you ever challenge me. He said to me before I left the States, you're never coming back, are you? I never understood it because I was so shut down from my own divinity. I was recruited by the devil and I agreed to shut myself down, to go away, to do what they wanted to make them look good. It was a total betrayal, a betrayal of my own divinity in the name of evil. That is the saddest piece of the whole puzzle. I didn't know what it was like to love myself, take care of myself, think about myself, my future, my health. Nothing mattered, only other people. And that's it. When you do the ayahuasca, you get to see the big, massive craters of emptiness and of sacrifice. Like, I'm a huge, empty crater of refusal. I made that holy. I made that coy. I made that... I had power in being powerless. There's something, and again, religions don't help turn the other cheek, you don't matter. You do matter. No one has a right to be hurt, injured, traumatized early on. No one. But everything conspires to make you wrong because you have no power. And that's how they take your power. And your power shows up when you begin to love yourself again. I have to learn how to do that. I do not know how to love myself. I have no idea how that works. And I'm going to have to learn. In the same way, I have to learn to walk again after having this truck of like suicide bombers was sitting in my energetic field removed. It's like being out of prison. You've been in prison for six years. You don't know what it's like when you walk outside. What is it? I don't know. I was fucking owned and imprisoned. I lived in a fucking prison. I don't know what it's like to be free. I don't know what it's like to love myself. I feel like a, turk, a tortoise that someone has taken off. It's hard cover 
I'm all exposed and vulnerable. That's what the ayahuasca will do. She will take you to the bottom of the Mariana Trench where you are hidden and pull you out. I was owned, smothered, tricked. I was a hostage of evil. That I was released, that the ayahuasca came like the Navy SEALs to get me, to help me out. What is that? That doesn't exist in the Starbucks kingdom. All of this stuff is happening around you. The ayahuasca allows you to see. I was blinded by terror. Blinded. And left. And what they say is, your soul leaves. My soul disappeared. And the returning of my soul is having been taken out of prison, having faced, having had the courage to set to face the monster, having been, ha having had an ally of so much love, which was the ayahuasca, for me to face it, but to know that I had an ally in the dark, that I had this Navy SEAL team, that I had a million Indians around me every day I sat, who were my guides. And then this, when I finally gave up the wife, the mother, well not, there's no mother there, but this person who agreed with him, when I gave them both up and agreed to just return back to being at one with the universe, even though it was terrifying because I didn't know what that was like to be out of, the, of prison. I was like, I know what it's like to be in prison. I don't know what it's like. I mean, I had strategies and survival mechanisms, but now I'm out of prison. It was terrifying. It was like, well, what am I going to do now? Like, who am I? Who are you? You're one with the universe. You can love yourself again. You can honor, respect, and value the divinity that you are. That was taken, that was stolen, that was abused by evil. That's how powerful this medicine is, how deep, how wise, how I sit at the feet of it. I just, it, I'm humbled. My whole system is just humbled is the word as I can think of. And love. I had learned to work with evil. And that was by refusing my light and my divinity. That's what they had taken hostage. So, the big themes of all of this are the dark, terror, powerlessness, the return of courage, the resistance to not seeing it, facing terror, facing evil, going and rescuing your child in the place that it was stolen, finding an ally, which with me was the ayahuasca that was going to take me there, 
wanting it more than I wanted anything in life, respecting and honoring the ayahuasca and sort of bowing at the feet of its insane power and love, the healing was her love, her unbelievable, relentless love that gave me the courage to go back and face this, to sit in that last ceremony like I was roadkill and keep sitting and sitting because I knew the ayahuasca had my back. What she was doing was for my good, for my... At the beginning, I had no idea. He owned me. I had to fight him out of me. For three years, I sat while this energy just came, soared through me every night. Because I had the ayahuasca. I had an ally that was here that just I just believed in. I trusted. I knew, I didn't care if it took a hundred years, a hundred lifetimes, I was gonna sit and sit and sit until this thing was out of me. And the universe, when you're in that place, just shows up. It just shows up. But you have to be willing to surrender. Even though I was terrified, I was willing to surrender to what I didn't know. The worst part of all of it, that I betrayed myself. I refused my light and emboldened evil. Gave it credibility, tried to make it look good, agreed with it, went out of my way to fulfill its agenda and it was laughing the whole fucking time. Well, you're not laughing now. Even in the ayahuasca ceremony at the beginning, there was this thing in me that was laughing at the medicine. I was like, who is that? What is that? It was him. It was his evil that was held me hostage. Laughed at the ayahuasca. not anymore. The ayahuasca gave me everything I needed to go in and to face this evil down. So the healing is continuous. It's really literally shifting from the dark into the light. For me it was, I saw it in ceremonies, coming out of the ground into the sunshine, into the light. What you're doing is returning